Aloha and welcome to Digital Nomex, the no fluff podcast where we reveal the reality of working remotely. A one, two, three, four. My guest today is Neil Herbert, who's joining me from Amsterdam. Now, Neil has worked for Optimizely, Help Scout, Hotjar. And his real passion is actually extreme sports, and his original plan was to move to Tarifa in Spain so he could kite surf in the morning before work, but he realized after one week that this was sadly not possible. Okay, so welcome from Amsterdam. How are you doing? Hey, Zander. Hey, yeah, doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, canals are nice and frozen over here, so hopefully I'll be going ice skating at some point. Yeah, yeah. Have you got your skis or your, or your skates out? Have you been sharpening them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Katie Couric said it, you know, us people in Amsterdam, that's how we get about, ice skating. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> amazing, man, amazing. So, so how long have you now been in Amsterdam for? So, this is actually my second stint here. Uh, I came here originally three and a half years ago uh, to join a company called Optimizely, a little A-B testing tool that some people might have heard of. Tiny, yeah. they're tiny, aren't they, those guys? Yeah, yeah, really small, really small. Um, they, should, they could really do with some funding. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, A-B testing, I don't, I don't believe in it. I don't think it's really going to catch on. Who buys <laughs> on a website anyway? Uh, so, yeah, so I was here for about six months. Um, and then with Optimize, we moved back to the UK uh, mm-hmm. to open up their London office. Um, and then stayed there for about another six months. And honestly, after living in Amsterdam uh, and then going back to London. So I was in London for about six years before I moved over to Amsterdam to join Optimizely, And then... Yeah, living here for six months and being able to cycle to work along beautiful canals uh, and then being put back into London and having to catch the circle line at 8.30 in the morning crammed into someone else's armpit. I was like, you know what, London, it's, it's not really for me. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 th- I think on the tube they should provide like just, just public deodorant or just, just yeah. public <laughs> thing that's going to make that tube journey a little bit easier. So you, lo- you love that lifestyle currently in Amsterdam. That's, why, that's what's brought you back there, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean... From where I live, I've got, within a five-minute walk, I've got four amazing bars. I cycle everywhere. Yeah. If the weather was nicer, Amsterdam would be the perfect place to live. But the weather is terrible. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say. A lot of people who visit and even live there that I know also say very similar. Yeah, it's it's a shame. But, you know, we do get two weeks of summer every year, and those two weeks are amazing. So, uh, you know, it makes it all worthwhile. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's lovely. And so... So for you as a, because this is Digital Nomade, so we want to discuss remote work. And I want to know what remote work is for you, because that's been a topic that's come up. Like, how do we define remote work? So what is remote work for you? Yeah, so actually, this is quite interesting, because when I left Optimizely, I was trying to kind of work out where it is that I wanted to, to end up. I knew eventually I wanted to be back in Amsterdam, but I was like, well, I've kind of seen another city where it's possible to work in. So I wanted to kind of explore like other places and it really kind of like, yeah, opened up my eyes to the fact that London is not the be all and end all, right? You don't have to be in London to have a career. You can be kind of anywhere else. Um, And that's actually when I kind of discovered remote working. And I saw these people on like Instagram with like, you know, these amazing photos of like, you know, them at the beach with a laptop. I was like, wow, that's incredible. Although you'll get sand in your keyboard and how do you get Wi-Fi access there? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, but even so, I kept seeing this kind of image being portrayed. And I was like, well, it must be possible. So could I, could I do that? Could I find a remote job? And 
one of the first things that stopped me from really thinking about a remote opportunity uh, was the salary. Because I was like, well, surely these remote opportunities, they're just paying like next to nothing. Like mm -hmm. they can't be, they can't be proper companies if they don't have a proper office. And yeah, boy, was exactly. I... <laughs> if, if not no salary, in fact, was, was the expectation, right? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. And um, actually what happened was I was looking at kind of Berlin and a few other places and because uh, I kind of like knocked the idea of working remote on the head. Uh, fast forward a couple of months, it was my 30th birthday. I went out to France with a few friends, decided to go off piste with my snowboard, went straight through a load of powder onto a rock, split my snowboard in half, tore my ACL and my PCL on my left knee, oh. um, which meant that I was going to be yeah, pretty much homebound for the next six months. And I was getting to the stage where I needed a job for my own sanity. And I, was like, <laughs> I can't, I can't travel anywhere. I'm currently stuck at my mother's, which yeah. my mother lives in a tiny little place called Castle Camps, which is about 30 minutes drive outside of Cambridge. Okay. So I was like, okay, I need to find a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's explore some of these remote opportunities. So I went on, uh, I think it was weworkremotely.com. Mm -hmm. I found this opportunity at this company called Help Scout, and they were looking for someone to partner with another guy to uh, roll out customer success, something they'd never done before. I was like, okay, so I went through like the interview process, and uh, we got to the salary uh, conversation. So I made it quite far, and they said, right, so just to let you know, like this is the salary band that we have, and it was probably it was more than I'd actually ever earned before. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, remote companies do pay. <laughs> and, that, and, that, and, that, and, that, and that's when you kept your mouth shut and you're like, mm, yeah. So, so Neil, what was your previous salary then? Oh, yeah. we don't need to discuss uh, that. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, there's, yeah, there's the base salary, but then there's always the benefits on top of it. So, you know, the yeah. total package. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be really open and transparent, I mean, hot jars, uh, hot jars pay structure is, it, it was, it was incredibly good, very oh. fair, and also very transparent as well. They yeah. followed the lead from Buffer very closely. Yeah being very open, being very transparent. I, that kind of made me realize as well, like after, you know, after then leaving Help Scout and exploring other remote opportunities, I kind of discovered this, I think there's probably like two tiers of remote companies. There's one where working at a remote company is the best experience you'll ever have in your life. Mm -hmm. and there are others where it's trying probably to- be the worst. Yeah, and trying to attract the people who want this idea of like, oh wow, I can, you know, rent a hut in the middle of Yosemite Park and, you know, work from there without any Wi-Fi or, you know. Just any practicality, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so that's how, that's how I ended up actually working remotely was for Help Scout because I couldn't actually leave the house for three months because I couldn't walk. Yeah. Uh, and then a brilliant after, accident. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, serendipitous, I think yeah. is the phrase we'll lose. Um, and so you, you were doing customer success there then. So tell us yeah. a little about what customer, because not many people I actually don't think listening will know what customer success is, right? Yeah. They might traditionally know it as sales, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to call it that. So please I'd, don't. I'd like, I'd like your, your take <laughs> on customer success. Yeah. So customer success is, it, it's a weird, it's a weird kind of term because the thing with customer success is if you look at five different job adverts for customer success, they will all be for different things because no company has really actually truly understood what it is they want a customer success manager to do. Okay. Is it another word for sales where the company doesn't want to say that they've got a sales team? Mm -hmm. Is it just make sure our clients renew and don't churn? 
Thank you for this as an account manager. Or is it partner yourself really closely with clients to help them achieve their desired outcomes using the platform that they've invested in? And that for me is customer success. It's making sure the customer is successful. Really, really simple. Mm-hmm. And to be, again, uh, to talk about, uh, talk about Help Scout, Mm-hmm. They really had this nailed down as a concept. Mm-hmm. And for myself and my colleague Tim, we were just given free reigns just to go out and explore how we could help our customers become as successful as possible. Not every platform is right for every customer. Sometimes a platform is right for the customer at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And they might graduate away. And that's absolutely fine. That's a natural life cycle of business and the way that software works. Not everything is going to be right for every customer all the time. At the exact uh, same point, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that was really what we were, we were focused on doing, is understanding you know, how can we make our customers more successful, but also feeding back from our customers, what could we do with the platform to make them more successful? What would then also stop them from churning? And it might even be that actually we interviewed a customer who did churn. Mm-hmm. They still cared enough to actually tell us how we could have improved. And it's like, great, thanks for that feedback. And we then went away, worked with the product team, understood really what the minimum requirements were to roll out that feature, roll out that service, and then we implemented it. I, th- I think that's one of the, I, I'm just going to jump in, because for yeah, me, yeah. yeah, for me as a designer, I don't think designers, you know, whether, whatever, I, I'm just going to call it designer because you have product UX, UI, experience, you know, whatever it is, a designer for me should have way more connection with customer success. Like, Completely, whether it's because I know they mentioned product, but I think designers and those who are actually talking to the customers far more because a, a role as a potential designer is you're supposed to meet with customers all the time, but that's what customer success is doing. So it's a different relationship. So then you potentially uh, are distance it. Like it, it just becomes this weird loop. What, what, what do you think of that in terms of that uh, kind of mini structure of a, of a kind of brainstorming team? Yeah, so the, the product feedback loop. And mm-hmm. so when I talk about working with the product team, I have to, I have to confess, my background is, is in kind of more of the, the business side of things, you know, suits and ties, belts and braces, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, you know, flipping through my file facts to get the right contact, giving them a call. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, though, uh, you know, kind of the, I suppose if we call it, think of it like the back end operations. So, you know, you've got your product managers, you've got UX, you've got UI, you've got the front end dev team. All of those people have to, uh, come into the feedback loop that you need to create because yeah. if there's no feedback loop going on, mm-hmm. how can you, how, how can I make sure that I'm informing the team of the right things that they need to be doing to make sure our customers are successful? Yeah. hundred uh, percent. I think that feedback loop is, is just so wide for certain, certain companies, isn't it? It's because it's tricky, right? Especially remote when you're geographically spread, like how do you keep everyone in the loop? It's actually, I'd actually say sometimes it can, from my experience, it can almost be easier to do it remotely than mm. it can be to do it when you're, you're all in the same office because there's typically one communication platform that's used above everything else, be that Slack or Basecamp or it might just be email. Whereas in an office, you've also got the kind of the verbal communication that goes on, like walking past someone's desk. Um, and also, you know, that's, that's kind of one of the things that I think. But when it comes down to you know, the actual creating the feedback loop and making sure that everybody's aligned. One of the things that I, I think I would personally like, maybe from, from the UX teams that I've worked with in the past, is for them to, to reach out to me more about 
hey, this is what I think around this idea that you mentioned on mm -hmm. the Slack channel. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I think, and maybe it's because UX designers uh, and you know designers and product don't want to, either maybe they didn't want to feel like they were bothering me, mm. or maybe it was a case of, well, they're just, you know, they, they just talk the talk. They don't actually understand anything behind the platform. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? We'll, have to, we'll have to dive deeper for that one. But yeah. And so what are, you know, from a remote aspect, because yeah, going back to customer success, you're trying to fulfill um, their goals of using the platform that they've invested in. What tools do you use to achieve that? Yeah. So really openly, I, I don't think there's a difference working remote than there is working in an office in customer success. Okay. And the reason I'll say that is, so when I was at Optimizely and we moved the office over from when we set up the, the London HQ, mm -hmm. what would happen is there was like five or six people in a room mm -hmm. and we all had our headphones on and we were all sitting there working well on email. And then occasionally we do a demo to a client and that would be using something like Zoom or GoToMeeting or whatever. And then once that was finished, we then put our headphones back on and go back to work. Yeah. There was no point in me going into an office. <laughs> I could have just done yeah. that from home. Uh, the only time when there was you ever... Just, you, just had, you just were wedged in, in, in a very sweaty underground carriage. Uh, it was a Regis <laughs> building, so kind of similar, yeah. <laughs> Regis, I can't believe they're still going, you know. They are still going, Regis. You know what, I, can't, I, I was pitching hard for us to get into a WeWork or something like that. They must um, be now, though. Optimizely must be in something like that now. Oh, they're good. They've got their own office. So, okay, well, there uh, you go then. In London. And it's a beautiful office. I've been in there and, and seen the guys uh, awesome. and girls since I left. So, uh, yeah, it's really, really nice. But still, it's the same kind of concept of you go into work in the morning, you sit down, you check your email, you then, you know, reply back to anything that's urgent. You go make yourself a coffee. You come back to your desk. You see what's going on in Slack. Then you dive into a meeting, which is typically online. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, after you've done that, well, someone else might be demoing. You need to have your focus because we're knowledge workers. So you put your headphones on, listen to some music on Spotify, whatever mm -hmm. you know, floats your boat, be it Metallica or Pendulum or whatever. So you're not talking to anyone. You're not really engaging. Everything's done over like Slack and email. So why even bother having an office? Yeah. And it's just a, I can understand in like a company's early stages, maybe they want to try to create the, the company culture by having everyone in one location. Mm -hmm. but when you get to the size of having 300 people spread out over seven different geographic offices, what's the point of having, I, I, I honestly don't see the, the, the point in having an office in that aspect. And I think maybe it's because I've been a little bit spoiled with my, uh, remote working experiences so far mm -hmm. uh, you know I'm going to give a massive hat tip to help scout again um, mm -hmm. they really nailed the concept of remote working and I'd say actually help scout was the best company culture I've ever had mm -hmm. and I didn't meet everybody at help scout until I was seven months into working there so that's the, the mad thing isn't it like yeah. you you spend all day working towards a similar goal with these folks dotted around the world and then you will you know, jump into a meetup with them. And it is like, I was saying this to Ash the other day, is like, it's somehow like you, your oldest friends with these people. Yeah. Amazing. I, yeah. I mean, I remember at the, so for anyone listening, uh, Zana and I both know each other from Hotjar. Yeah, yeah, uh, we do. I only, we haven't spoken about Hotjar, but we don't need to. So let's... No, we don't need to. But the one thing is that, you know, you and I didn't really interact at all because uh, we had no reason to. You were doing UX stuff, I was doing customer success. But this is what I mean, I, I wanted to, we should have. This, this yeah. is where I go back to the feedback loop. This, yeah. was, this was, you know, something that we should have done, but yeah. 
definitely. Because, I mean, I think if, if we'd done that, then we definitely would have sung Enrique Iglesias' Hero much earlier in the week, <laughs> rather than even, like the fourth day. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a classic moment. Enrique at the cathedral. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's going to be one of those memories that I think back to on my deathbed and be like, I lived a good life. <laughs> we, we 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 won't spoil the listeners with that one but um oh but definitely yeah. but yeah i think i think going back to the concept of friendship within remote ash ash touched upon it and the fact that it's very powerful to to instead of just treating these people like you work with them uh you know just spread across continents or time zones actually try and make friends with them and so is that is that something that you try yeah, it's something that I've definitely tried to do. It's also very, it's very difficult to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only, especially not only when you're working in different teams, so you have no reason to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And this is the same also in an office uh, to a large degree. Uh, you know, if you work for a big company, like if someone's on a different floor to you, they might as well be working for a different company based on the amount of interaction you're going to have with them. Yeah. Um, but within, yeah, within, uh, so if I think back to Help Scout, um one of the guys that i developed a very close bond to um he actually lived in hawaii and he and i almost never spoke until one day he saw me post something funny up on uh slack on the random slack channel and it was about politics and then he messaged me and he was like oh dude and he's like started talking to me about bernie sanders because yeah he loves bernie yeah and uh we got into like this whole conversation around left-wing politics and then when we met up at the meetup it was like, oh, dude, like, I had no idea. Or like, we yeah. just became really, really close friends. Um, and when I, when I ended up leaving Help Scout, he made a point of saying, look, whenever you want to come to Hawaii, like, we've got this uh, studio apartment, and me and my wife, so, you know, you'll, you'll be our guest. Uh, get over That's, there. Get over there. Yeah, I still haven't done it yet. I don't know what I'm waiting for. <laughs> it's freezing cold here. I'm actually sitting yeah. in my house in thermals. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I think you need to get over to Hawaii yeah take your surfboard and and fix well yeah you obviously don't need the snowboard but i was going to say you could you could surf with your fixed snowboard yeah uh you've never tried surfing with a snowboard (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea but i would pay money to i want to do yeah so okay so so my next little question is how can remote work improve for you so i think there's for me the issues with with remote work comes down to uh, certainly that feeling of isolation. So when the one, the one big benefit I'd say with working in an office is you get to end of day Friday and regardless of the kind of week you've had, yeah. you, can, you know that there's a group of people that you can just go and grab a beer with. Maybe this is like a UK thing. Uh, <laughs> it could be. In Amsterdam, I've noticed the same thing. I kind of feel like it's just a working culture thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's five o'clock on a Friday. Let's go to the pub and have a pint. Yeah. Um, you know, just to, and that's a, a really great bonding uh, exercise, which you just do not get when you're working remotely. Yeah, um, it's tough, right? Flipping yeah. tough. I think loneliness is, you know, that concept of digital nomads, really. It's, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> as real as this podcast title is. Like, that is the true, trueness of, of remote work, is, is a lonely existence and something that people try and overcome by portraying something else, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, I mean, when I was working at, again, just to talk about my time at Help Scout, um, I, I traveled kind of all over. I went, I did like a road trip through France for like eight weeks and I was working from, you know, various cafes, which just did not work very well because I had to do client calls. In it just doesn't, cafes. does it? I, I tried that a lot as well with, in terms of just popping from cafe to cafe, maybe city to city. And 
you know, the uncomfort, it's so uncomfortable either working in a cafe and knowing that you're on a, you know, a hangout where people need to listen to you and they can't hear you and they hear, you know, uh, someone else in the background talking. It's just so like, unprofessional, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, also actually one of the, <laughs> actually talking about help scout again, when I was doing that road trip through France, I've just remembered, I was, I had a, I had a big meeting with a client uh, booked in on, I think it was like the Tuesday and I was leaving France on the Saturday. Mm -hmm. My car broke down outside of Paris oh, Saturday no. afternoon at yeah, four o'clock. Yeah. So I had to like, I was stranded on the side of the motorway. I had to get picked up. They took it to a garage and the gar obviously they were talk talking French and I was like, uh, bonjour, je m'appelle Neil. That's all I remember from GCSE French. Um, <laughs> Google Bibliotech, which didn't help. And I was in like, yeah, this random part of uh, <laughs> this random town outside of North Paris. And I, my, um, my insurance company that also had breakdown cover with called me up and they were like, yeah, so because tomorrow is a Sunday, they don't work and they work a half day on Monday. So the earliest they're going to have your car fixed is, is like Thursday or something like that. I was like, okay, I've got, I've, I don't know what I'm going to do. I had nowhere to go. Yeah, no way of getting anywhere, um, and I had to yeah I had to sacrifice the demo. Um, actually, my colleague took it in the end and turned out to be quite a quite a good call and actually became quite a big customer, uh, for Help Scout. Um, but it was all it was like such an inconvenient thing to happen, and you've yeah the idea of like hey I get to travel, but yeah what about if your travel plans get disrupted? Yeah, mega it can happen. And yeah. yeah, it was one of the most stressful things I've ever been through. Because yeah. um, also then I felt like I was letting the company down and everything else that just kind of came with it. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, yeah, the issue with like working remotely and like traveling around, like you've got to factor in that things do go wrong. Mm -hmm. And actually just the stress of like, of actually moving around and trying to get somewhere for a certain time because you know okay well i'm meant to be working tomorrow and it's like 11 o'clock at night and i'm still not at my destination then you wake up the next day you're stressed out it's not yeah it's not all beaches and sangria uh, <laughs> <laughs> or afro spritz yeah um oh that's lovely man okay well look i i want to make sure this is this is to a nice little time frame for okay listeners. so the last thing we're going to cover mate because we could go on for probably an afternoon like we've been talking for an hour before this podcast so so i want three neil nuggets and this can be anything professional it can be personal um that might help uh, anyone that's either remote or not remote so just just any of your nuggets that you've learned that you can share with a few folks okay so i think this again this is actually something that goes for remote or non-remote um is always know your own limits so it's really easy just to go into the office every single day or sit at your desk, whatever you're doing and say, all right, I'm going to crack through all these things today. And you write down a list of like six or seven different things and you get to the end of the day and you realize that you've done like two of them and they were the least important things actually that you had to do. So what I like to do is I create, I just do a very simple list of, uh, with three columns, mm -hmm. um, and in the first column is like the top priority and I can only put two things in that list. Okay. Anything at like, cause there's anything more than two urgent priorities for that day means that you've got really poor time management. So the sooner you start this, the less likely you're going to have uh, more, more than two priority items in there. Then the next one is the would like to get done uh, today. Mm -hmm. The things that you just like to achieve. And the third column is must happen this week. 
And the idea is that you work on the first two. So you work on the first like top priority column. And if you just tick those things off, you can actually say, well, I got my top priorities done. Then you move into the, I'd like to, I'd like to happen today. But then the next day, you don't look at that second column, you look at the third column. So what must happen this week? And what you'll very quickly find is that your, your productivity just goes through the roof. Yeah. Um, but actually, because you're so focused, you're spending less time on all of these things. Nice. So nice. that's something that... That's, that's, that's numero uno. So that's number one. Uh, number two is always, always be humble. It's, I know it sounds really cliche, but there's so many times where I've experienced... Uh, you know, both working remotely, both working in an office and in just kind of every walk of life are people who believe that they know everything mm -hmm. and they're just not humble enough to either admit their own shortcomings or be open to another perspective or point of view. And mm -hmm. I think if I'd been more humble maybe earlier on in my career, uh, I would have seen more benefits of it. So whenever I go into a situation, yes, I've got a lot of previous experience, a lot of ideas that I can bring to the table. Um, but I always just try to hear everybody else out first before I even open my mouth. Brilliant. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that comes to also like the, the, um, the idea of a fixed mindset. Like a lot of people do have this fixed mindset, which you have to, you have to open up and you have to be ready for, for change essentially if, if it's coming around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of, yeah. So I suppose I'm going to, yeah. Number two is be humble stroke, always be learning. <laughs> okay is, is, is that the third one or, or we can we can combine them and then you've got a third one as well to give no i think the, the third one as well is make sure that you go into a role with the right culture fit for you mm -hmm. so and that's okay this is actually going to be another kind of combined one <laughs> i don't mind at all yeah. I, I love make it. sure when you're looking at a position make sure you interrogate the culture mm -hmm. um now that you don't have to be really hard nosed and really drive in with like your interviewer or the hiring manager, whoever it is that you're talking to mm -hmm. um, and worry that you're going to scare them off. Mm -hmm. um, but if you go into a culture that doesn't align with the culture where you're successful at, mm -hmm. you're going to struggle and you're going to hate it. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you get the culture right, because then regardless of whatever's thrown at you within the business, you're going to be, you're still going to feel comfortable and still going to feel happy. Nice. Nice. Love it, man. Well, super, super learnings. And thank you so much for, for tuning in. It's been, it's been awesome to catch up. And I think our listeners have got a lot to go away with there for sure. And, and I think the key thing is that you book your flight to Hawaii as soon as possible. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> super duper, man. Well, thanks so much, Neil. Thanks, Ada. Take care. There you have it. So Neil literally fell into working remotely go by complete accident which which sometimes does happen and i'm glad he touched upon customer success so much because it's hugely in demand so definitely reach out to neil or i can put you in touch with him directly um because yeah, as i said massively in demand hugely personable group of people who are the life and soul of any remote team so if you can do it i highly advise you explore that route and and he also mentioned this uh, concept of finding cultural fit that's right for you and a lot of companies whether fixed or remote um, are probably having to find this is they need to express their culture because if it's not right they've worked, they've invested a ton of money and it's never going to work out so try to do that as best you can when you go for interviews